This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. The 2022 ODT Dunedin Arts Festival is taking over the city from the 12th to the 24th of October with an unmissable programme of the very finest in creative talent from New Zealand and abroad. This year's lineup will wow first timers and festival aficionados alike with an incredible range of music, cabaret, theatre, circus, dance, comedy, visual arts, and more. Secure your tickets today from the DunedinArtsFestival.co.nz and the Regent Theatre Box Office. The 2022 ODT Dunedin Arts Festival, October 12th to the 24th. Well, the series of concerts set to take place at Knox Church as part of Dunedin's Arts Festival are highly anticipated, from emerging artists such as Jenny Mitchell to my guest today, more than 40 years a songwriter and performer and still so on his game that his most recent album went to the top of the album charts. On Friday, October 21st, Don McGlashan and his band The Others will bring music from that album Bright November Morning and more, no doubt, to Autiporti Dunedin. We welcome Don McGlashan. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, no, I'm not an emerging artist. I, I, I often wonder whether there's another category called receding artist, but uh, <laughs> well, I, I, can't, I can't even lay claim to that now that I've had a number one. Well, indeed. Uh, and, but, I mean, there will be people in this audience and others no doubt, that have followed you through all of the music, uh, from scratch, the front lawn, the mutton birds, various solo projects and collaborations. And, and Don, they they possibly even buttonhole you for conversation from time to time. Um, How connected or otherwise to that that history in terms of acknowledging its impact on your audience are you, do you think? Uh, I... um I try not to think about uh, to the past too much because you get a little bit uh, bogged down in that. I, uh, I like to be in each song that I'm singing and connect with the audience in that story, uh, in that landscape or whatever I'm trying to conjure up with that song, the character that I'm uh, the character that, that I'm trying to bring through with the song. Um, and that's been that's that's served me well, I think, because I don't I don't ever get tired of playing the songs, you know, because uh, every time you play it, it's a uh, you know, it's like you can't dive into a into the same river twice, you know, uh, and the songs are really really like that. And also, um, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah, there are people that have followed all the different uh, tributaries in my. Career, but I'm always amazed too that people come up sometimes at the end of a show and say, "You know, I've often wondered, I've often wanted to come and see you play, <laughs> <laughs> and finally I've done it." And you're quite good, and I really love that because it's sort of, you know, it, I know, I know in, in myself it takes me quite a while to, um, you know, you know, I, I, I get interested in an artist, and then it takes me a few pushes and nudges before I'll actually. Uh, you know, immerse myself in a, in a whole album and then more, um, you know, more bits of inspiration before I go and see them live. So it's lovely to see it, you know, when it, when it plays out right in front of you. You've been witness to many transformations, not only your own, but uh, Aotearoa New Zealand's sometimes painful growth 
um, from those early sort of punk bands and on into the early 80s and blam, blam, blam. And music was changing. And of course, there were social impacts of events such as the Springbok Tour and the Muldoon era and, and so yeah. on and so forth. Do you, do you think that your writing has documented elements of social change along the way? Uh, n- not consciously, um, but I think that, uh, you know, if you're, if you have your eyes open and you're trying to describe what the world looks like, uh, in, in the, in the day that you're writing the song, um, or whatever you're doing, um, a book or a poem or a dance or a painting, um, then all aspects of the world are, are going to, are going to seep into that, you know, cultural, political, spiritual, they should all be there if you're doing your job right. And they can all be there um, even in something as uh, as short and, um, you know, and, and prescribed and this, as a song. So the song form is a pretty narrow thing. But, you know, when I listen to, for instance, one of Graham Downs' songs, you know, a great writer from your part of the world. Uh, I hear Dunedin, and I hear the, you know, I, I I see the landscape of Central Otago, and I see the coastlines around your city, see the harbour. Um, I hear the way people speak, and it, you know, he doesn't he doesn't need to take uh, many verses and choruses to get me there. And I, I hope I hope. Um, you know, that's what you hope for in your work, you know, and that's what I've always hoped for in my work. Yes, you've spoken before of being responsible as a writer to placing the listener not just with the characters in your songs, but with the sights, the sounds and the smells, as it were. Um, <laughs> by activating the senses, you achieve authenticity. Is that fair to say? Well, um, I love songs. You know, I, uh, you know, growing, oh, growing up in Auckland uh, and listening to the radio, listening to Radio Hauraki, um, uh, it was the songs by bands like The Kinks that really turned me on, you know, and, uh, you know, Ray Davies, the way he, uh, you know, when he, when he writes about London and he writes about Northwest London, you can really, you can really uh, sense a place. And, you know, as a kid in, in Auckland, I had no idea what he was writing about, but I still got a strong sense uh, of, yeah, yeah, of the of a place that he was describing, and uh, uh, and that's that. Yeah, I I think that's that's one of the things you can do in a song. Um, and you know, different times, d- different uh, record companies over the years, and uh, people have said to me, if you didn't do that, you'd probably make more money, um, because a lot of the a lot of pop songs are much less detailed than what I like to do. But I guess I've always thought that. You can be not in the center of a form and do interesting stuff. In fact, some of the most interesting stuff is at the edges of a form. You know, you know, when David Byrne was trying to be funky, that's really interesting because he's, he wasn't central to the idea of, uh, of that kind of rhythmic music. And I don't know, other, uh, there's other examples of that, of people, people at the edges of something, uh, as long as they do their work faithfully, they can, uh, they can, they can make a good contribution, I think. So it's okay to visit imagination land from time to time. Yeah, yeah, and I hope that I hope that people will when they come along to the show. I mean, we—I uh, know this record because I knew I was going to be working with a great band. I really, 
kind of allowed myself to get bigger and to write write bigger ideas and particularly some of the landscape songs um i kind of knew the band would would get a kick out of conjuring up uh big storms at sea and icebergs and blizzards on land and there's a, there's a bit of that on the record so how would you describe the album bright november morning in terms of the place and time that you hope that it will evoke um um yeah I mean, it's that's an interesting question I, i'm 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 not sure that i want the whole album to grab people and take them to any one particular place i think each song um when they're working they'll take you somewhere good um like and there are songs there that that happened really quickly like there's a song called go back in that i wrote really fast um just uh just that i wanted to get across that sense of swimming in summer and wanting wanting to dive back in and i wanted to conjure up the idea of wanting second helpings of anything you know um you know uh, feeling a hunger for life so that's uh, and i, I uh, I didn't think too much about that one, and I'm, I'm really happy with the way that came out. Um, I kind of wrote it when I when the album had been finished, and I got back to Vancouver, where I'm living some of the time now. And uh, I just suddenly had this idea and wrote it and sent demos quickly to the band in Auckland, and they they kind of uh, put their parts on, and then I, I added some more stuff to it in Vancouver. And there's other songs which were much longer, had a much longer gestation. There's a there's one, the first song on the album. Uh, lights come on uh, is um, is an idea that got started many many years ago when the mutton birds were traveling around Europe opening f- opening in these big shows for simple minds and um, uh, I just would go out after our set I'd go out and stand in the audience and just feel this sense of anticipation um, mainly you know, a lot of the tour was in Germany and Scandinavia, and the German audiences particularly, um, I could really feel a sense of uh, of joy, growing joy, as the band were just about to come on. And I thought it'd be great to write about that. It'd be great to write about what it feels like to stand in a crowd. Um, and in a, in a way, uh, I was writing in opposition to... to uh, what I was seeing, because the 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 crew uh, for Simple Minds had been on tour for a really long time, and they were kind of a little bit automatic. Um, they didn't they didn't come across like a um, like they were deep inside all the all the you know every show. <laughs> mm. And so, um, but there was an enormous contrast between between the kind of uh, professionalism and sort of mild cynicism of uh, not not the band the band are more lovely but the uh, there was a little bit of, of uh, you know, totally understandable um atmosphere of of uh we've been on tour for a long time uh in the in the tour and it was that was completely the opposite of what was happening in the audience which is a, a really a really honest sense of uh of a growing excitement and i couldn't finish it because i i I didn't think I had a hook to hang it, hang it on, but um, sitting, sit, everybody sitting at home during the first months of the pandemic made me realise that all I had to do was try to write something that 
captured that sense of how great it, how great it would feel when we when we could all go out and stand in a crowd again. You mentioned second helpings and and, and going back in. Um, what about second helpings of success? I mean, topping the album charts would suggest that your audience considers this album among your best work. Um, do you? And and if so, why? Ha. Um. Uh, I'm not. I'm probably the worst person to ask about that. And what? And I've always felt that it, it's always felt that it would be best for me to keep my head down and keep working on every idea and taking every idea to the best place it can go, um, and let posterity uh, sort out um, what's you know whether my seventh album or my tenth album is is better. Um, my my main job is to try and is try and get to album number ten and then get to album number eleven if I can get there. Um, uh, so yeah, I, but I must admit when I finished this one, I felt I felt really proud of it. And and, um, uh, and sometimes when because I'm not a very fast writer, sometimes I feel um, that I've got to ten songs or I've got to twelve songs and I've got I'm going to put the album out because I want I don't have I don't have another couple of years to write four more songs um and with this album i had about almost twice as much material as ended up on the record um and i don't know what's going to happen to that to those songs which are left off some of which we didn't record some we did record but but we didn't i just decided not to put them on the album because um yeah just just because of the way songs talk to each other when you put them in a particular order um so yeah, I don't know if they're going to turn up on a, on a subsequent record or what. Sometimes you do get a bit of extra time. It just comes at the wrong time. Uh, I mean, the waiting to get out and perform these songs here and elsewhere must have been difficult for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was hard because I, you know, everybody's busy. You know, everybody's playing in lots of in different bands at the moment and getting. Uh, Gathering everybody together, doing some rehearsals, and being and feeling like we were ready to tour was quite hard work, and it's hard work for everybody in the business at the moment. It's actually a measure of of that's I mean, that's a complaint, but it's actually a measure of a good thing that's happening, which is that people there's a really strong sense of people spreading themselves between different projects and and. Uh, uh, kind of helping each other at the moment, uh, more so than when I started in bands, uh, in, when I was first in bands. It might have, might have been to do with the punk era or something. There was a, you know, you, you know, you, you only, there was a sort of feeling that, that you didn't want to be seen with other, with other bands because that might be uncool. So you, you, you cleaved really closely to your own little knot of people. And, um, thankfully that's gone a bit. Um, but yeah, well, that was that's been challenging. But on the on the plus side, um, coming I came back to Aotearoa last, uh, you know, about this time last year, thinking that I was going to be touring straight away, and I didn't didn't do any touring until um, a little bit in a little bit in January, and that's about it. Um, and uh, and. Um, that gave me a lot of time with family and a lot of time to just chill out and do some writing. Um, uh, so yeah, that was there were silver linings there. 
yeah, interesting what you're talking about uh, about bring, bringing uh, time, sort of bringing you closer together with uh, other tangents and music and musicians. Um, you know, I'm just thinking. I wonder how Shane P. Carter might have felt in 1979, 1980 about the prospect of collaborating with Don McGlashan. Have you talked about that before? <laughs> no, uh, but we. I don't know. I think we. I think our paths crossed in the early Mutton Birds, and um, I think I don't know what. The deal was was I think I was we I was calling up to see whether he wanted to open solo for us or or calling him up to trans, translate uh, uh, congratulate him on a piece of writing he'd done a piece of like prose writing he'd done um, there's some reason for me to call him up and we had a great great chat about being in a band and about what it was like and uh, so yeah no we've 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 our paths have crossed quite a lot over the years and and uh, but I've yeah no idea. No idea. We used to come down. Blams used to come down to Dunedin, and and play around the same traps that the Flying Nun bands used to play in. And I think, um, I think you know, even though we were very different from that group uh, and that sort of ethos, uh, uh, people were very generous and and kind of accepted us and you know didn't turn their noses up at us. Um, because because there was something cool happening in Auckland, it was a really different thing. Um, uh, it was more eclectic, less focused, uh, but there was a lot of good energy there. You know, bands like the Screaming Mimi's and uh, and the Pneumatics, uh, and uh, the Mockers and and Blams and yeah, lots of cool bands. So we we were, you know, there was. Uh, I think there was, you know, and I've been told since then that 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 people um in the south were listening to some of the stuff that, that was coming coming out of Auckland um you know and you know and keeping up with with what was coming out as we were at same as same way that we were keeping up with what was coming out of out of the south mm. well we've mentioned Shane uh, but just quickly uh, you have he is part of this fabulous band that you've got together to to bring out and showcase this music just uh, quickly touch on on the musicians that you're being joined with for this this show in particular here in Otipoti. James Duncan, who uh, is a well, he's a wonderful guitarist. Actually, he's, he ha- has been uh, the guitarist for the SJD band um, uh, for quite a lot of records and a lot of tours. Um, and he's played bass with Shane um, in a few different incarnations. And he's also you know had his own various things, including a band called Punches. Um, Beautiful player, beautiful bass, bass player, guitarist and keyboard player, um, and then Chris O'Connor, who's a uh, who's a, a drummer that I've I've worked with for I don't know maybe longer than I've worked with anybody in the music business. I think maybe because it's well over twenty years we've worked together now, um, and uh, he's the most wonderful player, the most wonderful imaginative, um, uh, the the youngest. <laughs> the youngest middle-aged person that you'll ever meet. He's the most the most open guy, constantly learning stuff, constantly thinking about music, and uh, a, a really um, sort of inspiring person to work with. Just finally, uh, Don McGlashan, uh, without giving away too many surprises, can you give us a hint at what approach you're taking to curating the set for this Dunedin Arts Festival show? Well, and, and I missed I missed out another wonderful performer too, who's Anita Clark, who's joined more recently 
um, and she's going to be joining us on uh, playing fiddle and keyboards and backing vocals. So, and she's um, she's got her own um, incarnation, which is Mot- Motta. Um, you might have uh, you might be playing some of that. Uh, so it's, just, it's her solo project, um, which uses uses uh, uh, delays and violin and lots of uh, uh, loops and layers, um, but a beautiful musician and. and she has been able to Anita's been able to come on board and and sort of breathe breathe life into some old songs uh um that you know initially the, the we were going to play only the album and then a f- one or two older songs but um they sound so good with the addition of the things that she can add to them um and you know not um and the and and what the rest of the band can add to them as well is that, that uh, I'm going to mix it up a bit. I think we'll do we'll we'll do the whole album and then we'll do quite a lot of stuff from uh, old old from the Mutton Birds from the Blams um, and all through my solo career as well. Well, we're looking forward to it and so happy that you can get out there and do the thing that you love, uh, take the music out on the road. Joining us for the Dunedin Arts Festival, this show at the beautiful Knox Church on Friday the 21st of October. Do go to dunedinartsfestival.co.nz to secure your tickets for it. Uh, Don McGlishan, thanks for joining us here on Otago Access Radio. Thanks a lot, Jeff. The 2022 ODT Dunedin Arts Festival is taking over the city from the 12th to the 24th of October with an unmissable programme of the very finest in creative talent from New Zealand and abroad. This year's lineup will wow first-timers and festival aficionados alike with an incredible range of music, cabaret, theatre, circus, dance, comedy, visual arts and more. Secure your tickets today from the DunedinArtsFestival.co.nz and the Regent Theatre Box Office. The 2022 ODT Dunedin Arts Festival, October 12th to the 24th. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.